to Rangers Rundown, the internet's first and only podcast. We were the first people to have this idea. Everyone else is just copying us. I am Max, and I'm joined tonight by Mike. Hey, guys. And Hayden is currently locked out of the computer because the 21st century is a strange and mysterious place to him. But hopefully he will be around to have edited and released this podcast. So if you're listening to it, chances are Hayden has rediscovered how the internet works. But we will try and push on without him. Episode 18, In Memoriam. So we don't actually have to do an In Memoriam for the Rangers this week, though. We, we actually won a couple of games. That we did. In fact, uh, by my calculation, we are 6-5 and five over the last 11 games. So congratulations, <laughs> Rangers. You figured everything out. We're back on track. And um, here's that uh, second wild card. Yeah, if we play at a one game over 500 pace over the remaining, what, we're 58 games into the season, so over those, those last like 104 games, if we win uh, six out of every 11, we'll, we'll be good. It's definitely uh, going to win the West. Going to win the World Series this year, guys. We've got this. Got it, got it right where we want it. Now, I, I think what we're seeing is um, the culmination of what I talked about in the very first episode. We're going to play really, really well here for a little bit. We're going to trade some guys off. We're going to call up some kids. They're going to win too many games, and we'll end up with the 15th pick in the draft again. Exactly the way we drew it up. Yeah, I'm super excited. Uh, yeah, picking 15th. Yeah, picking 15th on Monday. So the draft begins, I actually don't know what time, I think it's in the afternoon, but MLB draft, first couple of rounds are going to be on Monday. We should have some much deeper draft coverage and response later in June, um, but something to look forward to. We'll have shiny new toys to put in our toy box and discuss endlessly over the rest of the season, which is good. One of our shiny toys from last year, Chris Sice, first round pick. Uh, news just came out this morning, I believe, that he had to have a procedure done on his rotator cuff. He'll miss the rest of the season. Hopefully it's nothing long-running. It's they, they describe it as some sort of clean-up procedure, but I know personally I don't ever like to see rotator cuff or, or shoulder injuries, even on non-pitchers. It just never seems to really turn out very well. Except for Profar. It worked out great for him. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> Just sending back a couple of years. It's no big deal. I know the computer says that I'm Hayden right now, but we are the segment of tormenting Hayden doesn't actually need to happen this week. We can, we can put it off. Yeah, I definitely don't like to see a rotator cuff injury. Texas does not seem to have a great history with those, and, and just, just from personal experience, rotator cuffs are not fun, and nobody wants to mess those up. So best wishes to Chris Seiss. Hopefully he's able to rehab this injury and come back and, and join us next year. He was an interesting guy coming out. Looks like he slipped down the draft a little bit. Pretty well polished as a shortstop, but there were questions about the bat. And he hit really, really well in his debut. He looked really exciting. Looked very, like a very interesting player. There was also some news about Hans Kraus, probably our top pitching prospect right now. Kraus is dealing with apparently a biceps problem. I think Kevin may have mentioned it, and it's been, if not a public big-time fact, not a secret that he's had some... Um, rehab work he's been working on. That's why he didn't receive an assignment earlier in the season, why he didn't join Hickory when uh, when folks like Bubba Thompson did and Tyreek Reed. But that's something to keep an eye on. Hopefully it's it's nothing serious and hands will be shoving for 
Spokane or maybe even Hickory in the next couple of weeks. That uh, the Spokane season starts next week, right? Or is it this weekend? I think so. Yeah, I think I saw something about there being only like one more day until their season starts. So I, I believe they kick off this weekend. Maybe even today they may have a Friday through Sunday series to start it off. Spokane should be fun. Uh, we'll definitely have some more discussion about some of those players now that short season poll has started up. And you should expect to see some of the more advanced players in next week's draft get assigned to Spokane the next couple of weeks. Texas is typically, you know, like, like a lot of teams do. We'll, we'll assign some of those college bats and arms out there, and we'll get to see some of those new toys in action. So definitely looking forward to that. Uh, it's probably going to be a little bit more fun than watching the big league team. Adrian Beltre did come back today, but we're still missing Elvis Andrews for a couple of weeks. And um, I, you know, I know I'm, I'm pretty torn up about the fact that uh, we don't get to watch Martin Perez. Just I miss him so much. Yeah, <clears throat> a lot of candle for him. Yeah. He'll, he'll be back. Yeah, I have a lot of scented candles in my room now. Bull. The, the scent is bull. My house smells like it. It's great. But we have a couple of fun kids on the farm that we have been talking about. And pretty much all of them play in Kenston for Down East. So, I mean, where do you even want to start here? There's a couple of names to talk about. So I say pick one and uh, let's get it rolling. Well, I think we need to start by saying that Hayden wanted everyone to know that he hates the dudes. Yeah, he's rooting against them. He's rooting for some team called, like, Bowie's Creek. What is yeah. that? Yeah. Astros affiliate, right? Oh, it would be. <laughs> Hayden, I think, is an Astros fan. I'm pretty sure it, he said that a couple He's, he's a closet Astros fan. Yeah, <laughs> he is. I mean, for how little he, uh, he wants to root for the Rangers this year. I mean, it was, only, it was only a matter of time until his true loyalties were made obvious. Well, he's, he just wanted to jump on that bandwagon. That's his style. Yeah. But this is a guy who doesn't know how to operate a computer, so, I mean, what does he know, right? <laughs> Man, he's going to have so much fun with this episode. Hi, Hayden. I hope you're having fun with us. This will teach him to remember his password next time. <laughs> All right. But, uh, yeah, so we've got some hitters. We've got some pitchers. Where do you want to start? Well, um, well let's start with some of the hitters. Um, one guy that uh, excites me is... Uh, is Tejeda. He yeah. he was just named the Carolina League Player of the Week. Uh, Good for him. Over the last week, he batted 414 on base of 452, slugging of 793 for a tidy <laughs> 1.245 ops for the week with uh, three home runs and eight RBIs. So, so he is absolutely on fire. Uh, yeah. he, he's someone to get really excited about. He's a shortstop, right? Yeah, shortstop. He's <clears throat> 20 years old. Um, he, he hit, so I said he had uh, three home runs and eight RBIs over the last week for the season. He's at eight home runs and forty-one RBIs. He's the first in the Carolina League to get to forty RBIs. So he's setting the pace. And what's really exciting is that the power is really coming around for him because he had he has eight home runs already. He only had eight all of last season. So um, looks like he's starting to figure some things out and get that uh, launch angle right where it needs to be. Um, yeah, absolutely. He's not a very big guy. Um, scouting reports on this, I, I believe he does incorporate a fairly large leg kick, although that may have been toned down this season. But he's a guy who really maximizes what power he has. I know he was exciting a bunch of folks in uh, 2015, and, and especially in 2016 when he made his stateside debut, with people really coming away impressed by how much power he was getting out of a pretty small frame. 
Yeah, he's he's, he's not one of these these uh, Carlos Correa, six foot four, two hundred and twenty pound shortstops who doesn't surprise me at thirty home runs. He's sort of a smaller guy. And what's but great? He, he likes to uncork it, and that's fun for me. What's great, and and this is going to sound like a broken record as we go down the line with these guys, but he's only twenty years old. He's doing this at at twenty, so yeah, he just turned twenty too. He's, yeah. he's playing the whole season there. Yeah, so. It's just one of many that's busting at the seams. Who's who's the next one you want to talk about? Well, I'd say the only guy who is ahead of Tejeda in terms of home runs for Downies, that would be Chuck the White, Charles LeBlanc, my favorite of the uh, the Istari Wizards who came into Middle Earth to guide men on their, their path to justice or what have you. Nine home runs for, for Charles LeBlanc so far this season, slashing a pretty cool 299, 370, 529 pretty tidy looking season for him mostly a third baseman I actually don't remember off the top of my head if he's been seeing time in other positions but supposed to be a pretty uh, adequate player over there at the hot corner he's somebody who's really fun um, I, I have been a fan of his since the draft came out of Pitt fourth rounder in the 2016 draft he's a, um, not a huge guy but he's big at 6'3 and 200 pounds and change and Apparently, just looks the part in the uniform and uh, like the fact that he's swinging for power. Well, I guess since uh, Joey Gallo decides that he hates third base, we, we've got our third <laughs> baseman of the future now, right? There he is. Yeah, Charles LeBlanc is going to come. Problem out. solved. Going to carry us into the future. Yeah, and his his the knock on LeBlanc the last couple of years has been that there were big concerns about his power, from what I gather. Um, he didn't have a phenomenal 2017 all around, but uh, his debut in 2016 was pretty promising. The I think I, I'm pushing myself a little bit here to remember some of these draft commentary in 2016 is that people liked the swing, they liked his approach at the plate, they thought he was a not a great but a, an adequate defender at third, but that you know the power was such a big question mark that he may never hit enough to really qualify as a major league hitter and. Uh, increasing your slugging by you know 200 points that's certainly one way to try and address a power deficiency question that it is yeah he's got a an 899 op so um he's just one one of many that's that's uh chomping at the bit ready to take it up to the next level yeah i think his next home run will double his career total entering the season so that that is correct okay there yeah you have one home run in 16 and four in 17 great i am I'm another guy to be excited about. And how old would you say Charles LeBlanc is? He is 21 years old. Yeah, fascinating. Now he's we are the, He's the old man. Him. Yeah, he'll be 22. He's going to turn a, a, an antiquated 22 in just yeah. a couple of days. But for now, 21 years old. And so I think that leads us into a, the collection of outfielders that Downey's is sitting on this year. Um, some of the, the maybe the lesser known or, or less prestigious names are uh, uh, the franchise. Got to mention Ladarius Clark. Uh, definitely at best a fringe prospect at this point, but still somebody who was fun to follow. His uh, absolutely transcendent debut in the system a couple of years back. Um, he uh, he batted something like 700 for a while in 2015. It was incredible to watch just from a, a box score scouting thing. But Eric Jenkins just got up with Down East a couple of weeks ago. Big time speedster. Oh, we are getting news. Our our co-host with access to the internet says, Anderson Tejeda hit a dinger. 
tying him for the lead with Charles LeBlanc at nine. Very nice. Set off the sirens. It's uh, Mantle and Maris all over again. There we go. We got it. We're calling it now. Double Hall of Famers. Uh, flanked by an inner circle Hall of Famer. And Leody Tavares, who is the, the, the big prospect name on this team entering the season. Um, Leody has put up a pretty good line. 261, 352, 378. Power hasn't all been there, although it's been sort of coming in uh, fits and starts. But he's taking a ton of walks. He's apparently playing very good defense in the outfield. He's a switch hitter, and both swings look good. Um, he looks like what you want your number one prospect to look like. Especially when he's probably one of the youngest in, uh, in high A, in advanced A. He's uh, only 19 years old, and uh, he's holding his own. So that's very encouraging. I think he's... Probably right on track with some of these other guys. Could be uh, make his debut when the new park opens. That is definitely something to be excited about. Tavares is somebody we're really hoping to nail down center field for Texas for uh, an easy half decade. Uh, great athlete, supposed to be very, very smooth in the field. Uh, should be a lot of fun. So I did start earlier before we were so rudely interrupted with Anderson Tejeda Dingers and talking about Eric Jenkins. Um, this is a name that I think some Rangers fans are probably pretty familiar with. It's one of the top draft picks a couple years back. High school player, speedster, very, very good center fielder out of, I think, South Carolina. Um, he's still very fast. He's still a very good outfielder. His first couple of years, though, with Hickory, he never hit, just, just couldn't figure it out. Started the year off very, very hot in Hickory, forced his promotion up to down east. You know, the, the bat has not come around yet. Batting 243 on basing 309, uh, slugging 324, so the, the power is not there. But he is an interesting player, and he just made uh, national headlines last week with a phenomenal running catch, uh, fell over the left field wall into foul territory, landed on his feet, and fired a ball back into the infield. That was beautiful. It was incredible. If you, uh, you guys out there, if you haven't seen that, definitely do a, a Google search and... and Check out his fine work. Yeah, we'll be sure to go ahead and, uh, and share that, that clip when we put this episode live. So check our Twitter for it, and you should be able to find it. Uh, I know it made ESPN's top ten. I think it made three on uh, ESPN's top ten list for plays of the day. A lot of discussion about it. I had a bunch of people be, uh, sharing it to me just as a baseball fan. And I was like, oh, yeah, Eric Jenkins, of course. I know that guy. Wait a minute. What? Wait. What? Good. God, is that is that Hayden's music? Uh, I broke out of Bill Gates's. Uh, I don't know what he had me in. It was it was a despicable and evil trap, but I am allowed on the internet right now, so I'm going to take advantage of it. It's all Cat Five uh, handcuffs and motherboard based. Actually, the truth is, the truth is that. Hayden was kind of loafing it in uh, in our warm up today, and we were going to give him the day <laughs> off because he was kind of half-assing his way to first base, if you will. But uh, we reconsidered. Yeah. So, welcome back, Hayden. I appreciate it. It's good to be back. If you don't precast hard, you don't get to cast hard. That's right. So we but, were just talking about some hitters down with uh, down east, and I think we were about ready to go ahead and start talking about some pitchers. What you know about some pitchers, Hayden? 
Oh, we're going to be talking about some pitchers. Well, the uh, the, the Down East Wood Ducks, they have a uh, pretty formidable and exciting, and uh, at least coming into 2018, a group of pitchers that I had never heard of. Uh, well, except for C.D. Pelham. For some reason, I had heard of him. I think he was, what, like a kind of a higher draft pick or something. He had something going for him. Maybe it's just that he's left-handed. But uh, there are a whole slew of guys that have been – uh, turning heads for sure, and and I, I mean, obviously we're talking about the Rangers. We're an organization where our, you know, best pitchers that we've drafted have been Kevin Brown, which was like 30 years ago, and Derek Holland, who you know was pretty, like a he was a pretty s- strong number three at his very best for like a year or two. So um, obviously we're talking about a. a an organization that would be really great if we could change that decades-long trend. And Jonathan Hernandez is leading the charge over there in Kinson. Uh, absolutely embarrassing hitters over there in the Carolina League. Um, right now, let's see, he pitched last night, and he's got a uh, 166 ERA and 54 innings pitched with 73 strikeouts. Uh, he's only allowed 30 hits. And uh, he's not walking that many people either. It's uh, he's uh, he's probably gonna be in Frisco soon. Yeah, he's got a zero point eight seven WHIP at the moment, which is actually good. Oh yes, oh yes. John Hernandez actually good. I don't think that's within the rules. Yeah, it's uh, it's exciting though. He's uh. See, he just turned 22. You know, he just turned 20. He turns 22 in July. Uh, and kind of an interesting note about him, unlike a lot of people on any organization, really, that find themselves uh, in high A, uh, he is on the 40-man roster. So would that make it easier for him to do something wild and end up in Arlington? Technically, yes. I wouldn't expect it. But, I mean, maybe even next year. He's already on the 40-man, and once you're on the 40-man, like, Hey, you're on the 40-man. So, uh, Another person, uh, Edgar Arandondo, just turned 21. He's got an ERA just above 2.5 and, and 48 innings pitched, uh, 55 strikeouts. He's got a whip of 1.1. He's doing great. If Jonathan Hernandez wasn't there to really completely mess up the grading curve, uh, we'd be pretty excited about him too. And I mean, guy I've yeah, never heard of. Sure. And that's awesome. Yeah. And that one of the big things that really stood out to me is looking at those strikeout to walk numbers. So hits and earned runs and runs are always a little wonky, even in the you know the, the mid levels of the minor leagues like high A. Uh, defenses are spotty at best, and umpiring can be weird. You're playing under stranger conditions, but the things that these pitchers can really control, generally speaking, are their strikeouts and their walks. So when you look at Hernandez with 73 strikeouts to 17 walks, um, and then you look at Aradondo with 55 strikeouts to 10 walks. That's the kind of stuff you like to see. I mean, I'm I'm definitely a big fan of the the high strikeout guys. If you're not striking dudes out um, in in a ball, you're not going to start magically striking them out into bigs. Generally speaking, so getting over four strikeouts per walk that's a good ratio, and that's the kind of stuff that we're really excited to see come out of these pitchers. Yeah, definitely. He's actually over five currently, so that's really cool. Yeah, and, uh, five and a half. Yeah, yeah, five and a half. Uh, two other guys that 
or I'll do a, a, an obligatory somewhat shout out uh, Lock St. John. He was doing really good in the dude bullpen, and he's been called up to Frisco. He hasn't done so well in his, uh, I think it was only five innings so far. Uh, he's a little bit older too, but I mean, he was part of that really good pitching staff over there. Um, uh, CD Pelham. I uh, just turned 23. He is 6'6", 235 pounds, and he throws left-handed. And he has an ERA of 166. He's got over a strikeout per innings pitched. And uh, his his walk totals are a little bit higher than you'd like to see, but just barely. He's he's looking really sharp. And, again, uh, over a strikeout per nine inning is great. And uh, it's easy to see a 6'6", strong left-hander uh, kind of climbing the ladder pretty quickly. If you can keep that up. Yeah, one of the guys that I think is going to get overlooked a little bit by Rangers fans, if you're just popping at box scores as well, I mean, you might note the name, but then dismissing based on the numbers, is Jairo Barris. So Jairo has sort of an elevated um, ERA on the year, but almost all of it is attributable to one horrible, horrible, no good, very bad game. Uh, He gave up five runs while only getting one out in a game back on the 13th. If you take that that game out, his ERA drops back down into the threes. He's got a twenty-four to eight um, strikeout to walk ratio, and he's only given up eleven hits in nineteen innings. So, like that one inning, he gave up two hits, three walks, um, and I and I believe he hit a batter while getting only one strikeout, and that really blows the numbers up. I mean, the guy's only got nineteen in the third innings pitched on the season, doesn't have a ton of appearances. Um, it's going to make the, the overall numbers look bad. And obviously, it's not how this works. You're going to get to just throw out you know, your worst games. But when you're talking about a reliever where these numbers are, are so flexible, if you were to remove that inning, his ERA drops down to just over three. And he's, again, got a really, really respectable strikeout to walk. And the dude's apparently got easy gas. He's six six, and he's been sitting in the upper 90s. He's a guy who who has a chance to play his way onto a big league team just based off of raw stuff. Yeah, because he certainly isn't going to make it there as a hitter anymore. But we'll see if I mean if you you have somebody on the mound who can do what he can do. Why not see if it sticks? Um, last guy I want to bring up from the the pitching staff there is. Don't don't do it. I know who you're going to bring up. Don't do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Well, outside of injuries, it certainly is the most disappointing development of the minor league season so far. Uh, Michael Machuela, who of course is an interesting Michael case. Michael Yeah, he's an interesting case because um, he was drafted, I think, in the third round in 2015. He was projected based off of his abilities to go as like a top three pick. Injury mm-hmm. concerns and. All sorts of like back, really scary back stuff uh, scared some teams away from him. The Rangers were fortunate enough to get this guy to fall to them. Uh, if he can just put it together health-wise, then he should be a pretty safe bet. And uh, it seems like he's healthy. He's been pitching regularly, and he like last year, I didn't care at all how he did, and he did okay, uh, just as long as he was healthy, right? And that was the main goal. And so now mm-hmm. we're kind of on year two of the real Michael Machuela big leaguer journey and uh he's got a set 9.77 era over 35 innings his whip is a clean two um he's given up 52 hits in those 35 innings i mean i'm not a scout i have not i don't think i've ever seen him pitch certainly haven't seen him pitch this season um but something's not going right no it's not working 
just like it really is disappointing. I mean, this is a guy, like you said, who was looking at potentially being a, a, a first overall pick coming out of Duke, and then he had Tommy John, and his back condition is spondylosis, which is not good. It's not the worst kind. It is manageable, but it's it's just not something you want to see in a guy who's six and a half feet tall and is trying to be a professional baseball pitcher. So that's been a very disappointing thing to see. They did just move him into the bullpen, I believe. I think his last appearance was as a reliever uh, I didn't a couple see that. of days ago. So they're going to have him just try and work on his stuff out of the pen. We'll see if that improves anything. I, I still would love to see it happen, but it is getting harder and harder to believe in. Yeah, I'm seeing he's <clears throat> been in nine games, eight as a starter. So, yeah, one relief appearance. Okay, yeah, oh, I, hadn't, I hadn't known that. Yeah, so we'll see. Uh, again, with his interesting case of coming out of college and missing a considerable amount of time due to injury, he uh, he is about to turn 24 on Sunday. So, I mean, say what you will, but he's not a young player. We'll see what happens. No. But there's still time. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, plenty. So that's... That's what's going on in it down east. Uh, those guys play in Kinston. They've got a fun logo. They're called Dudes. You should definitely be paying attention to the Dudes on the Dudes. Just gave you the, the big rundown. A bunch of these guys do figure to be major league players at some point. I think the, the most interesting one immediately for interesting to know, though, is John Hernandez. Uh, like Hayden mentioned, he's on the 40. There is, I think it's a very small chance, but there is a chance that John Hernandez gets a little taste of the bigs this season. This is somebody who, if he goes and he performs very well in Frisco, I wouldn't be shocked to see the team try and reward that with a September call-up because it doesn't cost us anything to bring him up and let him hang out with the big league guys for a couple of days. Um, this is not somebody who's going to be threatening to make the team most likely out of camp next year, so you don't really have a service time problem for bringing him up for a couple of weeks at the end of the season just to be around big leaguers and maybe it's a reward um the uh, the flip side the rangers do seem to like to leave their guys uh with their teams to play in the playoffs the rangers take the league championship series very seriously in the minors so he, he may not end up having the opportunity to come up but he is somebody to maybe uh, maybe see pick up an inning or two just as a just as a reward or just to sit on the bench come September. So that would be pretty fun. And if that happens, I think you could safely assume that means John Hernandez has had a very good season, which in the recent history of Rangers pitching prospects would be really, really welcome news. I'll definitely head to Frisco to go see him play. I want to, I want to put eyes on him, see what this guy's all about. I've seen the YouTube stuff, but uh, you know, to be there in person for a game is something altogether different. Yeah. The Rangers run down and start bringing you their own in-house scouting. So another guy that you'll be able to see at Frisco most likely is one time very interesting and then not interesting and then interesting and then not interesting, mercurial catching prospect, Jose Trevino. Uh, Jose, of course, was the organization's top catching prospect the last couple of years since we traded Jorge Alfaro to the Phillies in the Cole Hamels, Jake Diekman move. Trevino is somebody who has a phenomenal reputation with the glove as a game caller, as a framer. Uh, as just a, a pitcher's catcher, but the bat has been pretty tragically light of late. He suffered an injury at the end of April, 
and didn't come back until May the 11th, and he came back with a bang. So I think we discussed this at the time, but he had two home runs in his first game back, and he hasn't really stopped hitting. So over those games, he hasn't hit in all but two of them. It's 16 games. He's batting 355, 420, 581, three home runs, three doubles, a triple, 1,001 OPS. Uh, he's got a 13% strikeout rate and a 10% walk rate. Like, Jose Trevino, apparently he changed his swing a little bit. I, I read that he was incorporating a little bit more of a, a kick. Uh, if there's something that he's doing mechanically that's a little bit different, you know, if his head is in the place, the right place right now, that would be an enormous victory for the Rangers farm system. It might end up being that we have a real two-way catching prospect and catching big well we do have a two-way catching prospect at least in may right and uh, we might have a two-way catching major league player uh then that would be amazing i mean it's kind of like um kind of like the jonathan hernandez kind of deal except for trevino has kind of always been assumed to be a future major leaguer um Mm -hmm. just based off of his glove alone and how much the glove is how heavily the glove is weighted behind the plate um but if you can have him just kind of it, – it's always been a case of can he hit enough to catch 110 or so games um, to where he's not an absolute you know, drag on the team, or will he just be a backup catcher for a decade, which is a pretty cool kind of future, I guess, um, at mm-hmm. least if you're him, uh, kind of a fallback plan. But if he's going to hit – and and be a, be somebody that has some power and can control the game and that's an extremely valuable player. I know he's a little bit older than maybe you'd like to have your your budding and promising prospects to be, but um, he's catchers take time. Catch, catchers take time, and it looks like his time kind of cooking in the uh, the Frisco desert oven is uh, <laughs> is, is paying off because he's uh, it's it's something that that is very very interesting and probably one of the brightest spots of the entire organization as a whole if this turns into an actual uh, kind of change player i mean not not to not to go overboard but i mean you look at what elvis did with the leg kick and how he completely turned his career around mm-hmm. look at his look at his stat page and see how low his his ops plus and all that kind of stuff was he was pretty dreadful with the stick he said, screwed Ron Washington, I'm going to hit the ball hard. And his, he's completely changed his whole career. And so if Trevino has done that in the minor leagues, it's totally feasible. And that's that's a pretty dang big deal. Yeah, there's a lot to be excited about. I <clears throat> was going to compare him to uh, Jonathan Hernandez as well in that at the beginning of the season, you're looking at where we are as a team at the major league level and, and – what our minor league system looks like depleted after all the trades that we've made over the last seven or eight years to try and, and go for it all. And we really needed some guys to come out of nowhere and, and to start producing. And that's what's happened with these guys. And, and that's a lot to be excited about because we do need some surprises to, to fall our way to, uh, start to construct that uh, big league roster two, three years from now. And so, yeah, I, I, I couldn't be happier with uh, the way Trevino's uh, performing at the moment. Yeah. Uh, baseball teams need catchers. They need pitchers. They need all sorts of position players. And so if we can 
really develop another big leaguer here who is good enough, like you were saying, hidden to, to stick with the bat. That would be really a coup. Robinson Chirinos has been a pretty good player for Texas the last couple of years, but he is 34 years old. Um, the bat has taken a step back this year. His strikeouts are pretty egregious. And while the uh, the power is still generally there, it's it's not uh, where you'd love to see it. So we're going to be needing a guy to come in and really eat up some of these catching innings, and a guy that isn't you know yet another Carlos Perez or Juan Centeno or Chris Jimenez or Bobby Wilson. Um, and if Jose Trevino is really playing himself above that level, where it's not simply a, a great glove attached to a nothing stick, that would be really, really huge news. Yeah, and I'll tell you what too. If if we're going to kind of kind of go into like a, a daydream scenario, mm-hmm. let's say that Trevino is is a starting caliber player and is is a player for us for a really long time, at least six, seven, eight years or something like that. Um, you know what that does to your deep catching system with your Novoas and Watleys and um, Pozo, all those other guys. If those guys develop like we kind of dream that at least one or two of them is going to, then you have your potential um, extremely valuable trade chips. Right. Uh, I mean, with catching being at such a premium, I mean, there's probably it's kind of like like having like a franchise quarterback sort of. You know, there's really only like 15 true starting quarterbacks in the NFL. The other the other teams are just getting by with backups. It's, it's kind of like that. So if you have somebody that would be young and that can hit and that can play catcher in your minor leagues, and you say, hey, we got Jose Trevino. I don't really even care about. Uh, you know, this guy's expendable. Then that's an extremely valuable piece to flip and fill, you know, your fourth starter position or get yourself your right-handed hitter that we still will be needing to get in 2023. (laughs) Yeah. We have no right-handed hitters. There's just none on the entire team and of the system. The only right-handed hitter on those teams right now, you can write them in a pen is going to be Isaiah Kainer-Falefa. Yeah. It's the the one above average right-handed hitter we'll ever have again. Rip. Still uh, still fun. There was a good discussion on Lone Star Ball's comment section the last couple of days about what you know, utility players like Kiner Falefa look like. I think there are some promising examples out there. Guys like Brock Holt or Marwin Gonzalez, Kike Hernandez. Um, you know, not, not quite that Zobrist level of being a really good hitter. <laughs> You're just expecting a good defender who is an okay hitter. But he's, he's still been fun. Condor Guzman, who we've talked about quite a at length on this podcast has had himself a really really good couple of games I mean since that Yankees series starting last Monday he has been a very good hitter he's got his OPS plus over 100 I think he's got his WRC plus over 100 as well Um, he has been just really good yeah 102 for both of those things Um, he hit a bunch of home runs the power was there he looks a lot more comfortable at the plate he looks like he's really kind of controlling the zone getting the bat where he wants it to be that would be huge for texas as well if it looks like ronald guzman is going to be a good hitter you know you're really really well set there you want to have some of these young bats work out yep and he was a good interview on uh, the ben and skin show i think earlier this week they they do have a, a player show and he 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 got into it and he was a good sport and had a lot of fun which is not something that you can say about all of those uh, he he thinks it's cool to be an athlete and appreciates the fun questions and didn't take himself too seriously so he's just enjoying it and that shows up on the field 
for sure. Mm-hmm. Is he's he's just having fun playing first base in the major leagues and hitting home runs off of CC Sabathia. Yeah. He did. And he's that. actually a a major league player. I mean, that's that's the thing that that I see from him when I'm watching him now is that he's he is comfortable to play. He had a he had a four hit night just a couple nights ago, and he belongs. And and I think they're going to have a really hard uh, time justifying sending him back down when uh, when. Uh, everyone is healthy and, and ready to go. Yeah, definitely going to be more roster questions. Uh, I think this podcast is like 60% roster questions <laughs> discussion at this point. Yep. But that's that's what the 2018 Rangers bring to the table. All kinds of uninteresting but important roster manipulation. Yeah, when you have like 15 of your 25-man roster is a corner outfielder, that problem is going to come to a head at some point. Yeah. And so, you know, here we are. It's it's about to be June 1st, and we still haven't totally figured it out. And uh, Joey Gallo, I guess, turned himself into a corner outfielder, so now we have 16, and here we go. Yeah. And, and Willie makes 17. Right. <laughs> right. Oh, man. But uh, the roster is going to be interesting, what it's going to look like on uh, August 1st at the latest, oh, yeah. and then September 1st as well. I don't know if we have any players that we wouldn't move – already before the July 31st deadline that you would move in August, but you never know. And I see two potentials in this series, actually. What do you think? Um, so we are about to play the Angels after we wrap up our series with the Mariners tonight. Bartolo Colon, Hemi Berea, Cole Hamels, Garrett Richards, and then Doug Fister, Tyler Skaggs. So Hamels, I think, is a pretty obvious June-July trade, but Bartolo right. Colon is somebody I could see them putting through waivers and then getting moved in August. Sure, sure. I mean, he's one of those guys that they're going to put on waivers. If he gets claimed, they work at a deal or they pull him back. And if he goes through, somebody might want a couple of starts at the end of the year. They might want a, a couple of innings uh, from a guy like Bart just to you know tide him through. Maybe they're trying to rest a couple of their studs to make sure that those guys are healthy for the playoffs. I don't really know what the situation might be, but he's somebody you could see maybe get moved for a very small return um, in, in August. He's somebody to watch. On Friday, he'll try again to uh, tie Juan Marichal's record for wins for a pitcher from the Dominican. Uh, he came pretty close last time, and we were not able to uh, <laughs> to get it for him. Yeah, and that was frustrating. I was really pulling for him. but uh, Yeah, it was pretty irritating. We just couldn't score the runs while uh, he was still in the game. Some of the shine has definitely come off Bartolo's couple of starts. You know, he's, he was never going to keep that ERA uh, sub three or sub two, but I think he's still been a pretty effective pitcher. He's still been pretty entertaining to go out there and watch. Uh, in terms of steady performance, there's not anybody who's really doing it any better right now. We we got yet another shaky, weird Matt Moore start yesterday. Um, we'll see what Mike Miner we get uh, in the fourth game of the Seattle series. Uh, I'm really hoping for like the seventh time that this is the game that Mike Miner shoves comes out and looks good for the entire start we'll see the entire start meaning at least six innings that would be nice that'd be cool be great yeah it's weird because he he started out well and he hasn't necessarily like blown up or anything in the in the bad way but also he hasn't really you look at the numbers and you go well you know he sure has a lot of improvements to make i guess yeah kind of the last start was that last start was frustrating because uh you know, he left the game only having give up 
given up three runs in six innings. He actually had a, a quality start under his belt, but uh, that inherited runner came around to score. So, mm-hmm. so it, it just it, it inflates the number a little bit. Um, I, I, I feel like he is starting to put things together a little bit. Um, really hoping that we see more of that tonight. Yep. That would be optimal. So hopefully we, uh, and, and by we I mean you, dear listener, are shaking your head at the folly of this podcast for having ever doubted the complete game shutout master, Mike Miner, <laughs> when you're listening to this on Friday. Yeah, he's about to start pitching in like 20 minutes. So that'll be that'll be fun. Something to, to probably discuss in our next episode this weekend. Yeah. And can I say one last note, maybe no. potentially last note about Matt Moore? We've I've said his name way too many times on these airwaves. Um, yeah, you're about running out of times you can say Matt Moore. You're yeah, no. one of your remaining chits here. So go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So here, here I'm cashing this one in. In regards to that, he wasn't absolutely a detriment to the game yesterday because he didn't give up like nine runs, but. It's obviously not working, man. The the knee is whatever. What like just man? He just needs to stop getting the ball, and we need to give Johander Mendez like 15 starts this year, or give Horado some starts or something. I mean, it, he's literally just. It's like it's like little league where you just let everybody play, and you're like, okay, I guess you know today is Thursday. We get to let Matt pitch today. Like, come on, like I mean, at least do something that is a future thinking move because he's got nothing man I don't care if you traded for him I don't care if you he's owed nine million dollars like just it's like a Roy Oswalt thing sort of just it's not working out Lance Berkman it's just not working out just get off the team yeah his ERA plus has dipped down to 58 on the mm. season still not the worst of any uh, Ranger starter Martin Perez is hanging out at 48 <laughs> which <laughs> uh, it's that would be bad. That would be very bad. But uh, I, we see, we keep getting these headlines uh, before and after every Matt Moore start, where John Daniels or Jeff Bannister or somebody comes out there and says, you know, you just gotta, you just gotta see what you have. You, you gotta just keep going out there and, and, and see what you got. It's like I think we know what we got. It's not good. So my, my teenage daughter knows what we've got with Matt Moore. So. Yeah. Anybody who's seen a Matt Moore start, I thought that like that one weird Rays game knows what we've got in Matt Moore. So trade him to the Rays. I don't care. Let him go be a designated opener for uh, for Tampa. Yeah. Do it. That's the first trade of the year. It's the only trade the Rangers make this season. Matt Moore <laughs> to the Rays. Making moves. And, and I'd consider that a, a success. I would. I mean, I'd even watch it. I promise. I promise. People who are listening to this podcast, John Daniels, I know you're tuning in right now. I promise to watch a Rays game. You can market that when you're talking to the Rays organization and be like, I got one guy who will watch. 100%. That's have eyeballs. We, have we talked about John Daniels having burner accounts on Twitter yet? No. Okay, we well, should do they, that. We should do, do that next week. Do be better or worse than the uh, – oh, who's the NBA GM who just got busted? Uh, his name is – it's one of those ones that I just see the first couple letters of it and just skip over the rest of the name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I don't, I don't know. Content. Yeah. So 
Uh, no, he definitely is on Twitter, though. He's, he has said before that he's on Twitter. It's just a secret account. And so it's kind of a fun little thing out there for Rangers fans. If you can, if you can find, I'll tell you what, listeners, if you can find John Daniels' secret Twitter account and you send us this information, we will give you a free lifetime subscription to Rangers Rundown. <laughs> you need all the premium content. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Our outtakes. <laughs> We're going to make a secret YouTube channel that only you have access to. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, but uh, do not look for Rangers Rundown on YouTube. As far as any of us know, we're not there, but we are on Twitter. Uh, hopefully you are following us there. Our individual accounts are there as well. You can look for us on Facebook. You can look for us on the internet generally. We're still having a lot of fun. We were having more fun before Hayden figured out how computers worked and showed up to ruin this entire episode. But, you know, say la vie. Mike, you think we're going to kick him out and just do our, our own episode come Sunday? That's what we talked about, right? Uh, yeah, was, well, before he logged in. But we, there was one more thing that we did talk about before Hayden got here that we should mention now before we sign off. What's up? Uh, among those roster moves we have to make coming up pretty soon... Okay. What are you making room for Carlos Tochi? <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. And this has been Messing with Hayden. Ah. Good night, everybody. Go Wood Ducks. <laughs>